Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Space nuts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Space nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Welcome once again to Space Nuts. I'm your host, Andrew Dunkley, and joining me week in, week out, because he has no choice and he's got nothing else to do, is astronomer from the Australian Astronomical Observatory, Fred Watson. Hello, Fred. I thought you'd never call, Andrew. Yes, <laughs> I'm just sitting here waiting. <laughs> I, you, know what's, you. you know what's overdue, Fred? Oh, what is that? Another visit from Kathmandu. Oh, yes. Well, he's right here, actually, but it's so... Um, it's so warm that he's uh, sitting and basically just chilling out and trying mm. to trying to stay cool. As cats uh, but tend I'll, I'll, to do. I'll pass on your regard. Yes, okay. please do. I'd love I'd, you know, I'd love him to make a couple of cameos for us. Catios, catios, even. Now today we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, they've they've discovered um, this strange asteroid for um, for a couple of reasons. There's there's uh, oddities with this particular asteroid. Uh, we're also going to have a look at Virgin uh, Galactic's new spacecraft. And if you want a job at NASA, your odds are about, oh, I don't know, um, astronomical. Let's just put it that way. I, I think you've got a snowball's chance in the sun. But anyway, we'll get to that later. But first, uh, this this uh, weird kind of asteroid, uh, asteroid and, that's, and that's basically what it's being called a weird asteroid. What's weird about it, Fred? <laughs> well, the first thing that's weird about it, Andrew, is where it is. Because um, most asteroids in the solar system, these small rocky objects um, up to a, a few hundred kilometers in diameter, most of them uh, orbit the sun between the orbit of Mars and the orbit of Jupiter. And uh, by, by far the greatest number of asteroids are, are within that region, many, many millions of them. And then there's another belt of uh, different sorts of objects, icy asteroids, which are out beyond the orbit of Neptune. And we call them uh, Kuiper Belt objects. Uh, those are uh, actually up to a couple of thousand kilometers in size. There's a big one out there called Pluto that everybody knows about. But that's what Pluto is now thought to be, a member of the Kuiper Belt of asteroids. But there are one or two other places where you find uh, little interlopers. And one of them is the region of space between planet Saturn and the planet Uranus. So uh, in between Saturn and Uranus, um, Saturn, uh, the second of the, the, the second in size of the gas giants and Uranus rather a lot smaller, but still a gas giant. Uh, in that region is an object which is called Cariclo, um, uh, actually dubbed a, a strange little object by one of the researchers who's been looking at it. Uh, it's uh, a, a, an asteroid, probably, however, an asteroid that's got quite a high proportion of ice in its makeup, which makes it more like one of these um, Kuiper Belt objects than, than the rocky asteroids in the inner part of the solar system. So, so more like a Pluto or a Sedna or a whatever. You know. Yes, that's right. Mm. Although it's um, it's much smaller than, than those. It's uh, 
it's less than 100 kilometers. Uh, a big pun. It's a, it's about it's just over 100 kilometers uh, across. Uh, that's its size. So it, it has to be big enough to see at that distance. It's a long way from the from the Earth. Uh, but uh, there are the, there's new thinking about Curiclo that suggests why it has its most peculiar character uh, or characteristic. And that is that it has a ring around it. Yes. Um, now, this this was discovered a number of years ago, a year or so ago, I think, maybe a little bit longer, that uh, here's an asteroid that has uh, a ring of dust around it, not anywhere near as spectacular as the rings of Saturn, but nevertheless still a ring of material, uh, basically in orbit around this, this little body. Is it... It, it, it seems odd that such a small object would be able to maintain a, a gravitational force for a ring to exist. What I mean, I don't understand the principles of how these rings develop and, and exist as they do, but uh, it would seem odd for something so small to have something like that. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, uh, it's a, a kind of gravitational uh, shepherding, in a way, by uh, the object itself, so its own gravity steers particles of dust, probably, uh, into this ring configuration. That's how Saturn's ring has evolved. But in Saturn's case, it's actually a mixture of ice and, and dust. And it's the ice that makes Saturn's rings so bright. But Curiclo has got uh, this thin ring of dust around it. And that has challenged uh, planetary scientists as to how something like that could form. And there's a, a new theory now. Uh, that has come from uh, planetary scientist Margaret Pan, who's at the University of Toronto, and she has uh, uh, she has been looking at this and thinks that she's got the answer, uh, because if you think of these uh, these icy asteroids that I mentioned before, the ones way out there beyond the orbit of Neptune, once in a while one of those will get uh, disturbed by gravitational forces and start moving in towards the inner part of the solar system. That uh, they they have. Uh, they actually have a special name. They're called centaurs. Mm. Uh, a centaur is is half man, half beast. Uh, the centaur, uh, centaurs in astronomy, are half asteroid and half comet. Uh, who, who says astronomers have got no soul? It's it's uh, you know it's a, a neat name for something that's got a dual personality. I, I take it all back. <laughs> take it all back. That's right. So uh, it's thought now that Curiclo is actually a centaur that has moved in from the Kuiper belt in towards this orbit between Saturn and Uranus. And what's happened as it's done that, it m might have moved in quite quickly. And the thinking is that the icy materials, which are things like frozen nitrogen, frozen carbon monoxide, very quickly turn into gas. They don't go through a liquid phase, they just basically turn into, into gas. And in doing that, it's thought that they will have lifted particles of dust off the surface and basically blown them out into space. And the gravity of Curiclo has shepherded particles of dust into a ring. So uh, that is, uh, seems like a very sensible and, um, and you know, a rather, uh, a rather neat idea for explaining how this thing has its ring. Uh, it suggests that maybe all uh, centaurs, which are bigger than about 100 kilometers across, should have a, a ring of orbiting material. Uh, the fact is, though, that we don't know enough about centaurs at the moment to know whether that is the case. So, and I suppose we're also suggesting there's not enough gravitational pull for the dust to settle back on the surface. That's right. Yes. So, so it's a fine line because if 
if they're too small, the dust just escapes into space. Mm. If they're too big, it comes back again. You're quite right. So there's this this hundred kilometer limit, which seems to be the magic amount, which will allow a ring to form. Okay. Well, we might find some more, and maybe then we'll learn more about them. Uh, in the meantime, we'll, we'll just, as always, uh, keep our options open. We should just wait for them to ring. Yeah. <laughs> Your idea. Sorry, sorry that. that was Fred Watson from the Australian <laughs> Astronomical Observatory, uh, Observatory, and you're with Andrew Dunkley. You're listening to the appropriately named Space Nuts. Okay, we checked all four systems and team with a go. Space Nuts. And now, Fred, we move on to Virgin Galactic, who uh, have been recovering from uh, a terrible disaster, and has uh, Richard Branson has just unveiled the new Virgin Galactic spaceship which uh, kind of gets them back on track for, uh, for what they're hoping to do, which is space tourism. That's right, suborbital flight. So uh, the idea is that you, uh, you, you and your five companions, because these things uh, hold six passengers, climb into a rocket plane with two astronauts up at the front who apparently know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and then you're, you're carried aloft actually by um, a, a very unusual, but nevertheless fairly conventional uh, jet aircraft with four engines, a four-engine mothership, as they call it. So this carries the rocket plane up to about 16 kilometres, uh, whereupon the mothership releases it, the rocket plane points upwards and fires its rocket motor, and you are propelled upwards at a maximum speed of about one and a half kilometres per second. That, uh, I think the motor burns for about 30 seconds. When it cuts off, you coast on upwards until you cross what's called the Kármán limit, which is 100 kilometres up, the official edge of space, and then you fall back down uh, to Earth. And um, until the rocket plane applies its air brakes, and actually most of the back half of it tilts up to do that, um, until that happens, you're weightless. From the time the rocket motor cuts out till the application of the air brakes, you are weightless, which gives you about three minutes of weightlessness, allows you to see the curvature of the Earth and the thin membrane of the Earth's atmosphere. So that's the plan. Uh, as you know, uh, Richard Branson and his company Virgin Galactic have for many years now, uh, almost 12 years altogether, been working towards making this a viable commercial venture and uh, providing an opportunity for mere mortals like us to experience uh, space flight, well, albeit rich mortals because the, the fare is still 200000 dollars a shot. Uh, but uh, as you alluded to, uh, 15 months ago, there was an accident uh, with involving the, the then rocket plane, which was called Spaceship Two. Uh, Spaceship Two actually broke up in flight because of uh, human error. One of the pilots deployed a, 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 a release for the, uh, the feathering mechanism that forms the air brake. Uh, that was deployed far too early in the flight. And the result was uh, actually that a gentleman lost his life. The, mm. the spacecraft uh, uh, basically broke up. The other, the other pilot survived. Uh, so what we're seeing now is Branson unveiling the replacement for that, which is a, a, a lovely new spaceship called Unity, a very appropriate name. And it is probably going to be this one which will take the first fair-paying passengers, maybe within a matter of months. It's something like that. Interesting, and um, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be just uh, news all over the world when they finally get off the ground and, and get up there and the passengers come back. It will be a global sensation, no doubt. Uh, absolutely, yes, an astonishing thing. 
Mm. Yeah. Now, I, while we're still on zero G uh, capability and enjoying uh, that unusual feeling of being weightlessness, um, I don't know if you've seen the film clip, but there's a band in Chicago called OK Go, and they recently filmed a uh, music video in zero G uh, inside the cabin of a plane, and it is extraordinary. So if, if uh, people want to go and find the OK Go film clip, they will see a film clip unlike anything that's ever been done before. They did it in real time. It was genuine zero G, um, a, a genuine zero G scenario, and and they did all sorts of weird stuff. They did dance routines. They did, um, they they played basketball in zero G. They threw paint at each other. It, it is really quite amazing to see. I don't know if you've seen it, Fred, but it is a, it's extraordinary. Uh, no, I haven't actually, Andrew. That's one to look out for. Do you know? Uh, the aircraft in question is usually christened the Vomit Comet uh, <laughs> because that's what you do. Zero G. <laughs> yeah, in zero G, that's right. Well, space, so sick can, space sickness is well documented. It is, it is indeed. If they can play music at the same time, good on them. Yeah, I think they were lip syncing. Uh, Fred Watson is from the Australian Astronomical Observatory and I'm Andrew Dunkley and you're listening to The Space Nuts. Zero G and I feel fine. Space Nuts. To our final story, Fred, and, and uh, look, I, I am way too young to apply for a job at NASA <laughs> as an astronaut and uh, I'm pretty sure you are too. Uh, but it hasn't stopped 18,300 people applying for the latest round of positions uh, in the astronaut class at NASA. Uh, of the 18,300, how many can expect to get a job? <laughs> it's an absolute maximum, Andrew, of 14 people. Not 14,000, 14 people. Gee whiz. Um, so it's pretty competitive. There's going to have to be some fairly serious culling of these applicants. Um, the, it's, it's absolutely broken the previous record, which was uh, in... Uh, a recruitment campaign in 1978, which uh, actually hauled 8,000 applicants in. So um, it's really, I think, an indicator of just how popular space flight has become, and the uh, the idea of space flight and the idea of um, you know science and all, all the kinds of things that people do in space. So I think it's uh, really, uh, I think it's a very very good sign for the amount of interest that there is out there in, in flying through space. Yeah, I wonder what's spiked the interest this time. I mean, 18,300, uh, maybe it's um, the number of high-quality science fiction shows that have been made in recent times. Well, that, it, yeah, who knows what the reason is? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's part of it, Andrew. I think it's uh, shows like Gravity and Interstellar uh, and, um, you know, um, the, the, the Mars uh, program. Uh, the, um, the Martian, uh, yeah. The Martian, that's right, the Martian uh, movie. Uh, all those things, I think... Uh, spark people's interest. But I think we also live in a time when science is enjoying, certainly in terms of discovery, it's enjoying a mammoth resurgence. Um, just think of the discovery of the gravitational waves that we, we've talked about before, the discovery of possibly a ninth planet out there in the solar system, in the depths of the solar system. All these people, all these things inspire people and they, they get very excited about them. And I think that's why uh, NASA has got this Huge task now of uh, of getting um, you know of, of getting themselves through this these eighteen thousand three hundred apparently excellent uh, applicants. One of the things that I think is worth mentioning about this, Andrew, is that it's possible that some of those applicants, maybe a very small number, but some nevertheless, will be the first humans to walk 
work on the planet Mars. Wow. Because they might, uh, one of the, one of the tasks that is being put for this uh, cohort of astronauts is that some of them will be trained for a future Mars mission. So very interesting stuff. There could be real long duration training for these guys. Well, let's wait and see. That would be very exciting. And hopefully that's going to happen in the not too distant future, fingers crossed. Although I do have another theory, Fred, as to why there were 18,300 applicants for 14 jobs at NASA as astronaut trainees. Global warming. It's too darn hot and they want to get off. <laughs> yes, it's time to time to bail out. Well, there you go. In some ways, um, these people might be the pioneers that would one day allow us to do that. Mm, never know. All right. Good to talk to you, Fred. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Take care. That's Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. And from me, Andrew Dunkley, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes and all sorts of podcasting platforms. Space Nuts. You've been listening to the Space Nuts podcast. Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audioboom and Stitcher or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Sites.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.